morning, good morning, good morning, good to see you, how great it lo- you look from here. Steve, you look amazing this morning. Have you done your hair differently? No? No? No, you planted it on the other side? No, you look different. Everyone looked at Cher, you look fantastic. Did you work last night? Can I just say that Sherilyn works, what time do you start work on Saturday night? 11.30 at night. And what time do you finish? 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. And do you know what she does? Instead of going home to go to sleep, she comes in here and goes to sleep. It's fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, it's good to see you all here. There's colds going around. There's flu in the air. Uh, but it's all good. And it's the third Sunday. What happens on the third Sunday, kids? What happens? No, big life. You get to stay in here. Isn't that cool? And uh, we do like an all-age worship, so it's all a little bit different. And uh, uh, I... You know, I, I sort of try to plan it where so there's something for all the kids, something for everyone, and we've got so many kids here today. It's so great. It's fabulous, the three of you. Well, Trev, I don't consider you a kid anymore. No, you're not a kid. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit different this morning. Um, so, <laughs> does anyone under the age of 11, who's, who's that then? <laughs> Anyone under the age of 11 know what our word of the year is? Xavier. Yes, James. So no. My mother told me never work with children and animals. <laughs> you don't know what our Okay, I'm going to mime it. I'm going to mime it. I'm going to mime it and you got to guess what it is, okay? Nicholas, are you going to guess with me as well? Okay, so... Pain. Pain? That's the word of the year. It is for me. All right. Anyone, anyone guess? Can you guess? Strength close? What, what's happening? I'm, I'm, yeah! Yeah, yeah, there's another word for that. It begins with F. Fr, 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 Guys, it's going to be a long enough morning as it is. Can we please? Freedom! That's right, you were going to say that, James. I knew you were. Freedom! Yeah, it's up there. Okay, freedom. That's our word for 2020 at City View. This year as a church, as individuals, we want to break free. Whenever I say that phrase, I I think of Freddie Mercury uh, hoovering uh, with uh, a wig on. Does anyone remember that video? Yeah, I want to break free. Yeah, I've got to get that my picture out of my mind now. So free. We want to be free from those things that stop us from moving forward in our faith. Free to do the things that we're called to do. Free to be the people that we were born to be. To be free from emotional pain. Free 
from addictions, free from loneliness, free from guilt and shame, free from expectations of others. That's a big one. Free to love others unconditionally. Free from the need to get approval from others. Free from anxiety, free from despair, free from fear, free to experience peace and contentment. I want that. Do you? Who wants that? Yes, sold to you. Yes, over there and over there. Pumped today. (laughs) Pick me, pick me. Yes, it's yours. But you don't have to buy it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. This freedom that you and I want is only found in Jesus Christ. Freedom, true freedom, all aspects of freedom comes not from anything we can do, but solely from what Christ has already done for us. By living and dying and rising again, Christ has set us free. It's already happened. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. You are free. I am free. Hallelujah. So we need to believe in him. We need to trust in him. And we experience this freedom the more and more we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. To lead us, to guide us and transform us. So this year, we will become charismatics. We will break free from our Canadian reserve in 2020 and become emotionally exuberant French men and women. Can I get an amen? Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We just sang about that. So we need to allow the Spirit to come more and more into our lives. Freedom, that's the word for this year, kids. And do you remember, I'm talking to the kids here, you're far too way back here. You know what, guys, can you just come forward a minute, because you're going to go back there in about three minutes' time. Can you just come, come, come sit in the front here? There you go. That's what happens at school, isn't it? Come sit in the front. Come sit in the front. There's three chairs here. There you go. Look at this. Fabulous. All right. So, last year, can you remember what our word was last year? Grow. And do you know what we did to illustrate that word, to show that word? We did lots of different things, but what did we do? We measured. Do you remember we had that? And we measured you guys going from three foot to six foot. Do you remember that? And we did knitting, didn't we? And we, and we grew plants. We didn't grow plants, but we tried to grow plants. So here's what I want to do. I want to do the same thing this year for the word freedom. So what I'm going to do each third Sunday is tie you up in chains... <laughs> that, that just came to me. 
Uh, no, but I, if any of you guys have any uh, ideas of how we can illustrate the word freedom as we go through the year, then let me know. But here's one thing that I want to do. I want to create something. I want to create a freedom wall. That wall at the back there, where Andre is sitting under, is going to become our freedom wall. And what I want uh, to do is fill that wall with pictures and writings and photos and poems that represent or speak about freedom. Okay? And so I'm going to get you to do something like that in a minute for me. But here's an example. I went past a shop on Friday and I saw it's a t-shirt. It doesn't really look like a t-shirt. But I took this photo. It says, freedom is a full tank. I've got no idea what that means. Anyone know what that means? Huh? Uh, oh, oh, I'm dumb, aren't I? Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> okay. So I thought, oh, isn't that cool? So if at, during your week, and you can do this as well, uh, if during your week you see something or a sign or something like that about freedom... Can you take a picture of it and can you send it to me? And then I'll, I'll print it up and we'll put it on the wall, okay? So be looking around, take photos, draw pictures, write poems, write songs. I don't know, I know Frank's got a couple of songs about being free. Uh, not the one by Queen, but uh, you've written a couple of others. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do. So at the, in a moment, you're going to be going back there. You're going to go back there, and there's some big bits of pink paper on there. And I want you, so that we can put it up on the freedom wall, I want you to draw a picture that's going to somehow, in some way, talk about being free, about freedom, about breaking free, all right? Or you can do something else, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But before you do that, I need a volunteer, anyone. Anyone want to volunteer, including the kids, including that? Well, actually, let's just keep it to the kids. Any volunteers? <laughs> Any volunteers? Nicholas, do you want to come up? Come on, buddy. This is good. It's painful. It's painless. Sorry, it's painless. Okay. Your mum might need to help you a little bit as well. All right. So, Nicholas, this is your life. That's your life. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Nicholas, can you remember when, uh, what year you were born? Two thousand and twelve. Okay, makes you feel old, eh? Okay, so you were born, Nicholas. What do you remember about that experience? Was that a good time for you being born? Did you enjoy being born? Do you think? <laughs> Did you? I think it was a highlight for you, wasn't it? Being born. Nicholas was born uh, in 2012. And that was, a, that was a great highlight. That was great. And uh, maybe your mum needs to um, help here. How was, how was his first few months, few years? Was it a... A good time for Nicholas in those, that first year? 
He slept a lot. Well, that's great. Okay, so that was a that was good time sleep. <laughs> Isn't that great? Okay. Um, do you remember a time when you know maybe was there an illness or he broke something or yeah? Can you remember anything, Nicholas? What do you think? Oh. Oh, you slashed your chin open. Oh, no. So that, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't a good time, was it? Oh, your chin. Buddy. But then you recovered. Have you got a scar on there? Okay. And then, and then you started school. Didn't you? Did you enjoy starting school? You did. That's fabulous. So that was school. And do you remember a time when you maybe you didn't like school? Was there a time when you didn't like school? You had a strict teacher or something? No, you didn't have a strict teacher? No? Hardly ever? Oh, that's good. That's good. So you enjoyed school then? You've enjoyed school? Yeah? Oh, okay. So this is still school. Um, any other uh, difficulties we've had, Mum? Any, any tough times? Any more illnesses? Any more slacking of chins? Or? Sorry, you took your arm out? Did you? Why did you do that for? Oh, no. Oh, goodness me. So you had your... Oh, my goodness. Well, Nicholas, that is your life. Look at it. Look at it. It's going up and down and up and along and down and... Oh. All right, clever. Uh, Yeah, isn't that great? Because you know what, Nicholas? Our lives aren't just like that, are they? That would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? Our lives are full of ups and downs and ups and downs. And we're going to talk about that a little bit with, uh, with the bigger people here. But here's what I want you three to do, okay? And Trev, you can do it if you want. I'll leave it up to you. Uh, go back. You can either draw a picture for me that depicts freedom, and you're going to share that with us uh, at the end. Or I want you to do like a timeline of your life, and I want you to draw pictures uh, a bit like this, where you had some really, really good times, and then some really, really tough times and bad times. Okay, and then you can come and show us that afterwards. Is that all right? Okay, ready, steady, off you go. Go! Right. Being a teacher, isn't it, Tanya? I know. See, all of our lives, I would suggest that if we did an exercise for our lives, it's going to be a bit like that. Where there's some good times, there's some uh, steady times, and there's some bad times. You see, every one of us here today has a story. 
everyone has a past. Um, we had a memorial for Debbie, Debbie Card, here yesterday, and people were coming up sharing stories of her life. And it was wonderful to hear the stories, the good times, but also some tough times as well. And we are all born. We're all born and brought up in some sort of family, lived in different places around the world, and our past has influenced who we are today. Sometimes that's good, sometimes not so good. But the truth is, many of us unfortunately still live in the past. In a way, we allow ourselves to be held in bondage to things that happened in our past. Perhaps it was something that we did that we can't let go of. Perhaps it was something that was done to us that continues to, you know, eat away at us. Perhaps it was a failure in a job. Maybe it was a failure in a marriage. Or bad decisions that we made in the past that are still affecting us today. Whatever it is, many of us just can't get past our past. We feel chained to the past. And the past is stopping us from moving forward. And it kills us to be that way because we become slaves to the past and it robs us of the freedom that should be ours now and in the future. Well... If that's you, I've got some good news. Stay with me. We're looking at uh, our journey to freedom through the book of Exodus, the second book of the Pentateuch. Say Pentateuch. There you go. Did anyone, was anyone able to use the word Pentateuch this week in a conversation? Laura, you did. How was it used? Very good. Excellent. Love it. Let's, let's hear, see if other people can bring it into a conversation this week. Um, so the Exodus, yeah, basically it's a, uh, the Pentateuch is the early history of the Hebrew people. And this book, the Exodus, starts with the Hebrew nation in captivity in Egypt under the tyrannical control of a madman, the Pharaoh. You see, let me tell you about the Pharaoh. He wants to start winning again by putting Egypt first. So he begins to sow seeds of fear into the Egyptian people about the Hebrew people living in the nation. You know, things like, well, we need to reclaim our land again. These people are coming here and they're taking our good jobs There's too many of them, and if we don't do something about them, then all of our jobs will go, all of our safety, all the things we stand for is going to be taken from us because of this migrant population. So he finds ways to deport loads of them and builds a huge wall all the way across the... No, he doesn't. I'm muddling up history. He makes them slaves. And he works them ruthlessly, we're told. And then he declares an edict that all newborn Hebrew boys will be killed at birth. 
times, dark times. No hope, no escape, no freedom. And all the Hebrew people we saw last week are desperate and they cry out to God for freedom. And as we saw last week, God hears, God sees, God knows, and God remembers his promise. And he's already working behind the scenes in secret, making a way to free his people. And it all starts, we'll see, from the birth of a baby. We're going to read the story of this baby in two parts today, or this person. And I want to quickly go through the story, and I want to give you just two take-homes this morning before we ask the kids to come back and share uh, what they've done and to teach us. Here's the first bit of the story. Grab your Bibles. Uh, If you have them, we're in Exodus 2. I'm going to read just the first uh, 10 verses in Exodus 2. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, and then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Moses' sister, asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yep, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I'll pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Okay, what's going on here? So you've got this Hebrew couple, they marry, and she becomes pregnant and they have a kid, and it's a boy. There's a problem here, because the edict says that all boys have to be killed. And so to stop this boy from being killed, they decide we're going to hide this baby. We're going to hide this baby. Now let's just pause for a minute. The fact that Moses was not killed at birth is actually amazing. Let's be honest, his chances of survival were pretty slim. This edict, this genocide that was happening meant that it was every Egyptian's duty to find and hand over newborn Hebrew baby boys. Which means, picture it, hundreds if not thousands of times a day, 
Doors are being kicked open and women are screaming as their infants are ripped from their hands and flung into the river. But somehow, this young couple managed to hide the baby for the first three months. That must have been tough. Almost impossible. How on earth are you supposed to hide an infant who needs to be nursed, who needs to be changed, who needs to be comforted and quieted? How are you going to do that? Helping. How... Could you? (laughs) Right, okay, so I'm going to say the first three months of Kim Kim's life, no one in your apartment has to know that there's a baby. How's that going to (laughs) work? It's just that maybe Lelpy would play his music really loud (laughs) to drown out. It's impossible, isn't it? Can you fathom the amount of stress and the fear of the parents and the family every day wondering if someone was going to come to knock on the door. It actually reminded me, as I read about this, it reminded me of, of how people used to um, hide Jews in Nazi Germany or in uh, occupied countries, thinking of Anne Frank. You know, just that fear of someone coming. Shh, don't sneeze must have been awful. It's almost impossible. And so Moses' mum has this dreadful choice to make. Do I try to hide him for the rest of his life? And he's going to be found. Or should I take some action that has a 1% chance of working? Put him in the Nile and hope someone finds him. And somehow he gets a chance to live. What a choice. And she chooses, obviously, the latter. Can you imagine that? It's so dangerous. How is he going to survive? I think sometimes when we think about them putting him in the Nile, we're thinking of this little stream. I don't know if you know much about the Nile. Uh, this is part of the Nile. Uh, it's the second longest river in the world. It's 4,258 miles in length. The output of the Nile River is 99,940 cubic feet per second. That's 6.2 million pounds of water per second in motion. I didn't know that. I just found it out. This is what Moses is put into. How is Moses going to survive? He's three months old. I was thinking about the migrants who have been going from Syria across the Mediterranean to try to find, or those people that hide in airplanes, in the, uh, the, the wheel uh, places of airplanes to get away. It's crazy crazy things that they do. But there's no way Moses should have survived, either at birth or because of what his mum did by putting him in there. But he does. Mathematically, it shouldn't happen. 
but miraculously, it does. Miraculously, he survives. How? Why? Well, what we see here is the sovereign hand of God at work. We see here God's reign and rule over every aspect of creation. The Nile River doesn't sweep Moses away, but he he gets tucked into these reeds. Just in the very place where Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe. What a coincidence. And notice that Pharaoh's daughter is nothing like her dad. Praise God. She saw the baby and did you see, started crying and she felt sorry for him. She had compassion, none of which her dad had. And it gets better. Moses' sister who was following the basket, was on hand to say, oh, shall I go and find a Hebrew woman to to nurse this child? Great idea. And so Moses' mum ends up being the Hebrew woman who nurses Moses. And did you notice that she's getting paid for it as well? Isn't that crazy? But that's impossible when Bethany was home at Christmas, she was saying, what are you going to be preaching on? And I said, I'm doing Exodus. She said, uh, what, that story about Moses in the basket? I said, yeah. She said, oh, that's impossible. That wouldn't happen. And I said, yeah, it is impossible. But that's our God. That's our God. I just love God's sense of humor and irony, don't you? Pharaoh is blinded and... Uh, hardened so much that the savior of the Hebrews is going to be in his own house. The very home in which this edict came out of. Crazy, unbelievable, impossible. But here's what I want to remind us, and we'll see this repeatedly throughout Exodus, that God has a plan. He has a plan to set us free. A plan to loose the chains that bind us. And God is working out that plan in ways that you would never ever imagine. And this is the first take home this morning. God is with you in the ups and downs of life. His hand is on your life. It's working out his plan of freedom even when it seems impossible. You know, as you go through this, as you look at your life that is going to look just like that, you might think, oh, that was an impossible situation. How on earth did I get through that? And then you get through it. And if you did that, you'll see God's hand at work each and every time. I met with someone this week who... A lady who's had four years of terrible pain and suffering. And if we were to draw this person's life, it seriously would be a whole load of bumping along the bottom. But as we went through those four years, she saw God's hand at work each time. In her life, in the life of her husband, in the life of her kids, how God's presence had been with her during those times and has led her through 
Can I tell you that God is in the rescue business? He longs to rescue us from the depths of despair and pain. And isn't that pictured here in this rescue? Pictured here in Moses being lifted out of the river, drawn out. That's what the the name Moses means. That's why uh, he was given that name. He was drawn out. And just as God draws us out of our despair, he pulls us out, draws us out. And I want you to notice where God is on our timeline and Moses' timeline. Where is God at Moses' birth? Where is God when Moses was being hidden? Where was God when he was placed in the basket? Where was God when Pharaoh's daughter was walking by? Where was God when Pharaoh's daughter said, I'll pay you, you Hebrew woman, to look after this baby? Where was God when he was taken into safety into Pharaoh's kingdom? Where was God? He was here, 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 here. He's there. Every single step of the way, even when you can't see him. Working out his purposes. I don't know where you are on this timeline of your life this morning. But wherever you are, God is there and his hand is on you. Someone here needed to hear that this morning. Okay, let's finish the story. Oh, there's Moses' life. Let's get, uh, finish the story. Okay, so this is when Moses, he's about 40 years old at this stage now. Uh, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, the Hebrew people, and he watched them at their hard labor he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, hey, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, oh no, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds, however, came along and drove them away. But Moses, he got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They said, well, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. Where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave leave him? Sounds like good husband material. Invite him to have something to eat. It doesn't say that in, in in the original Hebrew, it does. Invite him to have something to eat. So Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. 
Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. Okay, so <clears throat> what's going on here? He grows up right under the nose of Pharaoh. And although he has an Egyptian education and upbringing, he still knows he's different. He still knows he has a Hebrew heritage. And although he's been in a privileged position in society, he has compassion for his people who are slaves. He wanted freedom for his people. And so one day we're told that he goes out, sees this uh, Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he's so incensed, he's so enraged at this injustice that he flips out, and he looks around, and when he doesn't see anyone, he, he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Now, I wonder, when I used to read this, I think, oh, good for him, good for Moses. Well, was it? <laughs> Ultimately, it was. We know the whole story. But what happened was he alienated himself then from uh, Pharaoh. He wasn't obviously able to live in Pharaoh's household. He even antagonized and incited the, the Hebrews, as, as we saw in, uh, in the next verses. So this murder became known, and Pharaoh, who had been looking for a reason to get rid of this problem, now has what he wants, and he seeks out to put Moses to death, and he has to flee into the desert. Things were going so well. It was an up period in his life. And then, ah, oh, neck, I'm in the desert. Now, to be honest, this could have been the end of the story. The mistake, this mistake, could have undone all of God's good work. He's protected Moses, and Moses just lets his anger get to him. Moses' past could have consigned him to a life of hopelessness. No purpose. But here's the second take home today. In Christ, you can break free from the past. Your past, especially your past mistakes, will not and do not define who you are. And it doesn't exclude God from working in your life. We're going to get to the big story next week of uh, showing up in the bush and burning. And I'm going to try to uh, create a fire here next week to, <laughs> to have an illustration. I don't know. I'll pass that by the SLT later. Um, but and we'll see why Moses has been protected. But notice here that in spite of his mistakes, God's hand is still on Moses. He protects him. He restores his life. He finds a wife and a family, a new start. The past will not derail God's plan for his future. Someone needs to hear this this morning. You are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. You are not what you've done. Your past, your past mistakes and failures does not define you. Your identity isn't in what you've done. Your identity is found in who God says you are in Jesus. Who you are in his eyes. 
a beloved son and daughter of his. A beloved son or daughter that God has a purpose for, a plan for. That defines you, not your past. And when we know that, that's so incredibly freeing. You see, here's the thing. You and I can't change our past. It's happened. We need to let it go. We need to stop letting us hold us back. I need to say to some of you today, the past is gone. You can't bring it back. You can't change it. You can't change what happened to you, what someone did to you, or what you did to others. Someone may have hurt you really badly. You lost friends by what you did. Maybe you lost marriages and family relationships. You lost jobs. And these are real and dreadful and painful things. But you can't change what happened to you. But you can allow Jesus Christ to give you a future. Whenever the enemy tries to remind you of your past and he says, you're this and you're that, just remind him that the risen Christ lives inside of you. You can't change what's happened. It's gone. It's over. But I'm telling you, we serve a good God with whom all things are possible. And he's working in all things, even the bad things to bring about good to those who love him and called and are called according to his purpose. God's with you. God's with you. His hand is on your life right now. He's working out his purposes. Don't allow your past to stop you from moving into the freedom and the life that God has for you now. Talking of freedom, kids, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, in your own time, the afternoon church starts at 2.30, come on, here we go, all right, so, let's have a little look, do you want to go first, James, you have to come here, buddy boy, all right, Xavier's coming first. He's good. All right. Can I hold it up? Okay. And can you explain? Does it, it says something. Oh, here we go. Oh, do you want to explain what it says? That is fantastic. Do I know that song? Have we sung that song? Yeah. Okay. Andre will play it later. As we finish. That's fabulous. Well done, bud. Can you go, put it over by the wall there and we'll stick it on the freedom wall later. Nicholas, that's your life up there, mate. (laughs) Can you explain this to me a little bit? That is, I uh, don't know if you heard that, but uh, Nicholas said, this is, the, uh, this is my crazy life. 
That's fabulous. And it says, what does it say up here? The freedom of God. Nicholas, that's fantastic. And do you know where God was in all of these times? Do you know where he was? That's right. He was with you every single step of that. And he will be with you. Go and take it at the back there, buddy, and put it on the wall. You have two sides. Of course you do. (laughs) Okay, shall we start with this side? What is this side all about? You pulled, you pulled over a stool onto your face, yeah? Doesn't sound like you. And then you were healed, yeah? Yeah? Oh, grade two, not good. All right. Oh, great. That's where you are now. That's, that's great. That's a brilliant timeline of your life so far. Okay, and let's have a little look at this uh, here. So what, what, what's, go, what's going on here? Just a picture of freedom. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, Is it abstract or what? <laughs> oh, cool. We haven't, we haven't got to the splitting of the ocean yet, but this is fabulous. So basically these people escaping from places, from jail and stuff like that. Oh, there we go. Uh, James, that is fantastic. Can you go and put that uh, on the wall, buddy? That is brilliant. Thanks, guys. So we're going to start filling up that wall with lots of freedom things. Okay. Um, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for freedom. I thank you that Christ has set us free, not from anything we do, but from what he has done for us. He has lifted us up out of our despair and given us freedom. Father, thank you that during our life, through the ups and downs of life, you are always there. Father, you are always working. We can't see it sometimes, but we know you're there. And Father, thank you that whatever we've done in the past will not define us. We're defined by who we are in you. And Father, you are still working out your purposes in our lives. Father, help us to be open to all that you have for us this day, tomorrow, this week, and in the coming months and years. Father, thank you that uh, we can trust in you in your goodness, in Jesus' name.